Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. In honor of Black History Month, we will be doing the film Hidden Figures from 2016, starring Taraji P. Henson, Octavia Spencer, Janelle Monet, Kevin Costner, Glenn Powell, Mahershala Ali, and Kristen Dunst. And with me virtually is my good friend, Christina. Hello! So, for those of you who haven't seen this film, it is based off of a true story on three female women of color who worked for NASA named Katherine Johnson, played by Taraji P. Henson, Dorothy Vaughn, played by Octavia Spencer, and Mary Jackson, played by Janelle Monet. These women, especially Katherine Johnson, who was considered a computer due to her advanced mathematician skills, had a huge impact on NASA during the 1960s, particularly when the astronaut John Glenn played by Glenn Powell, became the first American to orbit around the Earth in 1962. Without Katherine Johnson, this wouldn't have been possible. During this time, there was a huge competition between Russia and the U.S. on who would be the first to put a man in space. But while this is occurring, we also witness the racial and sexist struggles that these women face on an hourly basis in the workforce. So, Christina, what do we think of Hidden Figures? I really liked it. I I mean, I knew like the basic pitch of the movie going in and I'd heard nothing but good things about it when it came out. But as I was saying to you earlier, like this was just one of those movies that I kept meaning to watch and never did for no reason other than sometimes life be like that. So I'm really glad that I finally got to watch it because, yeah, I really liked it. I thought the casting was really good. I thought the movie was really, really well done. And it was like, it was perfect to watch for Black History Month, definitely. Yeah, and and it's one of those movies where I was so enthralled with it from the beginning to the end. I loved every scene. There wasn't any part of it where I thought that's kind of unnecessary. And I've always wanted to watch it too, and I never did, even though it, it did get like three nominations at the Oscars. And I've always loved Octavia Spencer since seeing The Help. Um, when I was younger. So I've been really meaning to watch this movie and then I saw it on Disney Plus and I'm really happy that they have a movie like this on Disney Plus for kids of all colors to see because I think it's really powerful for girls and boys. Oh, definitely. Um, I didn't really know that much about Katherine Johnson. <laughs> I'm honestly going to admit that. Oh, no, me neither. I mean, like... I I think space is really cool, and I love space a lot, but when it comes to history about NASA or anything, I know Neil Armstrong, and that's it. I didn't know who the Glenn astronaut was. I was like, this guy is probably historically important. I've never heard of him before. Um, so, yeah, I really, I didn't know anything other than space, NASA. <laughs> <laughs> I I feel really ashamed that they mostly always talk about Neil Armstrong. And to me, you know, I didn't learn that much about American history in school. I always just assumed that he was the first man, American, to go into space. And then watching this movie and then Googling a bit about um, John Glenn. This is very confusing because the guy, the actor that plays him is also called Glenn. So I'm just making <laughs> sure I'm saying the right. So when John Glenn... He was the first ever American to go into space. I mean, why are we never talking about this guy? Why have I never heard of him before? Um, I find they're all American heroes, these women and him. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, 
you know, it speaks volumes to how these women have been erased from history because they don't fit the, the racist narrative of, you know, it was all the white men getting her done, getting them up into space. So it's nice that this story is finally more accessible. And, you know, there was so many struggles along the way and people, I really did not like Jim Parsons in this. Um, Apparently his character was fictional and Kristen Dunst, who I also did not like in this movie. I mean, they were great at playing their role. Who did Kristen Dunst play? Um, She was the blonde one that was always trying to up Octavia Spencer. Oh, that makes sense. Um, But seeing those things as well, you know, them not being able to go into the same washroom. I know know that, like, this is stuff we learned in high school very briefly, I'm going to say. And, you know, just seeing it, it just disgusts me that that was actually a thing. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like, you know it's one of those things where you read about it in history class and because you didn't live through it yourself, you don't really think about it until you see it. And then you're like, oh, right, yeah, no, that did happen and it was really bad. And then they expect her, um, Catherine Johnson, to be able to do the exact same things as everybody else while she has to run to a washroom that's basically a mile away and then they get mad at her for like being 40 minutes like wasting 40 minutes of her time when she's actually bringing documents with her while she's on the toilet so she doesn't waste any time and it's like wow and you're probably getting paid way less Mm -hmm. wow not able to use the same coffee dispenser as the other people I mean the the amount of gawking in this movie, there was so much gawking. I just wanted to slap <laughs> in the face. Like, just focus on your work. Why are you so obsessed with her? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of wanted to go back a bit to the beginning with the whole cop scene, um, which was also scary. But at the end, it was really funny. <laughs> Do you want to go into that yeah, one? Yeah, that was OK. That was a really interesting way to start the movie, especially since, you know, there have always been issues with the police and there still very much are today. And so having the, the scene open with, or having the movie open with the, the police giving them an escort to make sure that they weren't late to their job because they were able to really <laughs> tap into his patriotic side about the space race was, was really good. It was so good. And I loved, you know, Mary's reaction to being like, this is our only chance to be able to chase a police officer. (laughs) I loved it. But also the scariness of when, like, they have to worry about their car not starting and them getting in trouble for that. Like, the the fear in their eyes when somebody in that position should be helpful and should be safe. And as we know from all the events that have occurred, they aren't that a lot of them, and it's just really sad that they have to be worried about their car not starting and fear that they'll be, you know, in trouble for that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So apparently Katherine Johnson, um, the real Katherine Johnson, started working at NASA in 1953, and this movie takes place in 61 to 62. Oh, wow. So, you know, she's been working there a really long time. Yeah. And she hasn't really been promoted. It's just been doing the same things. So when she gets this opportunity, it's, like, really great for her. But, you know, the struggles just continue from there. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and 
I kind of want to talk about Kevin Costner's character. What did you think of him? Okay, is he the one who plays uh, the boss? He's the boss of, um, yeah, Katherine Johnson. He's a really interesting character, I think, because he's sort of the prime example of... In the way I sort of read his character anyway, was I don't think that he is ever helping Catherine because he's like, ah, yes, it is, you know, racism is terrible and I'm going to help abolish racism in NASA. Like, I don't think that's ever his intention behind helping her. I think he just sees how smart she is and that she is the person they need for this job. And he's like, okay, I'm, you know, not going to take any guff from anyone else because we need her for this job. So it doesn't matter who she is. As long as she gets her work done, yeah. you know, that's all that matters to me. I, I did like his character, but then I also noticed some scenes where I was like, oh, the hero white man, Hollywood whitewashing everything again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of the scenes were very powerful that he was in, especially when he takes down the colored washroom sign. And that's like a very prominent moment. But then again, it's like a white man doing it. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, and it was interesting, too, because I actually, so I, I, after I watched the movie, I looked up the, I looked it up to see, because I'm always curious as to what it got on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like at 93 or something, which doesn't surprise me. Um, But I, I, one of the, like, top Google search results when you look up this movie or, like, recommended search results is, like, did Mr. Hitchcock or whatever his name was actually knock down the bathroom sign. Yes, I saw that too. And apparently... Did Al Harrison... Yeah, okay, I don't know if you clicked on it. Harrison, yeah. that was his name. <laughs> Did you click on it? Did you see the answer? No, I didn't. Okay, so I clicked on it because I had to know. And the answer is... In real life, he did not do that. Apparently, so I think this is really interesting. Apparently, in real life, um, Catherine just started using the white people bathroom from the start. Like, she was just like, this is where I work now. I'm, like, peeing in your bathroom. Because, like, she was just like, no, I'm not going to walk a mile. And so I think that, like, having her go back and forth to the bathroom was a really good sort of visual representation of mm-hmm. the separation between the black workers and the white workers, and so I understand why they did that. But it's also interesting, like you said, that they had, you know, her boss be the white savior who, oh, now he's given her permission to use the washroom, yeah, you know, in the building, as opposed to in real life when she just started using the bathroom because that's what she felt was right. And apparently, I totally agree with you, and apparently um, Al... What did I just say his name was? Al, uh, Kevin Costner's character is actually fictional as well. Al Harrison. He's oh. not a real person. So they added that for the movie as well, which is uh, very interesting. Um, and I did agree. Like, I agree. I thought it was very powerful to show how, you know, you know, she's expected to do above and beyond work in a workplace like this situation where, you know, she can't do the same things as everybody else, but she's expected to go above and beyond every day, and she stays, she's the last to go home, you know, she does all this stuff, and I doubt she's getting paid for, like, her late work. I can guarantee she was not. And um, Oh, I'm sure she wasn't. It just, it just made me really sad, and I like that we, like, what did you think of how we mostly focused on her over, you know, Dorothy or uh, Mary? What do you think of that? Yeah, I thought that was interesting because 
you know, I mean, she was the one whose childhood we got to see, if, you know, however briefly. So it was clear that she was sort of the main one out of the three of them, which I'm, which made sense because I think that if we tried to dive that deeply into all three of the characters, it would have been, like, a really long movie. <laughs> but I do think, like, my one and only complaint... Well, okay, maybe not my one and only complaint about this movie, but my only, like complaint that I was thinking about at the end of the movie initially was I wish that we'd gotten to see a little bit more of Janelle Monae's character specifically Mm -hmm. because like her scene in the courtroom is so powerful and then we get to see her go to class at the white high school and we get to see her graduate which is really awesome and then all we get is a text box that says Mm -hmm. like she became an engineer and I was like but we never got to see her be an engineer I felt the same way about about Mary too and I also felt a bit about Dorothy because I I found that Kristen Dunst kind of always shadows almost every scene she's in because she's in almost every scene that Dorothy's in and I kind of wanted Mm. to see how like you know she just puts like how computers used to be in the 60s you know she just changes one like wire and then it works all of a sudden I'm like but how how did you know to do that (laughs) like I'd really like to delve into and I guess you know they could have made a biopic on all three but I found that that would have been really boring um, mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. I probably should have looked this up, but do you know if they were like friends in real life? Oh, I did not look that up. Um, but I can Google that right now because that's a good point. I, yeah, I don't should've know. Been, it was really I nice to see prepared. them like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. No, it was cool to see them like, um, like carpooling. I thought it was a really nice touch. Um, yeah and then that that they had to wait for um Catherine every time she was late and it's like oh my god they sacrificed so much oh my gosh especially since I couldn't believe that that oh that was the other interesting thing Octavia Spencer's character is the only one whose home life we never got to see yes yeah we never did which I wondered about have children I think she did right I don't know. Yeah, because they didn't really... I, yeah. Yeah, because they, like, we know that Mary uh, and Catherine have children, but we never get to see, like, does Octavia Spencer live alone? Does she have a partner? Does she have kids? Is she with her parents? You yeah. know, I thought that was... I wish we'd gotten to see a little bit more about her. I really liked the scene when Catherine comes home and her mom's made dinner for her, and and we find out that Catherine is a widow, and she is with her kids and she puts them to bed and I like the scene when the kid the three girls are fighting and they're fighting over who gets to sleep in the bed on their own and the other two have to share and you know Catherine walks in and she's yeah. like well if you want the bed the single bed then you also have to do you know the trash and clean the dishes and then the other two scramble to the to share the bed so they don't have to do the chores I thought that was such a perfect way for us like you know she wasn't reprimanding them like you know usually all these parents in these movies are always like you know quiet down kids and it's always very the same but you can already tell from that one line that she's a really good parent uh, as well as a really good nasa worker okay i like cannot find anything about if these women are (laughs) friends in real life there's a lot of info about like them individually in real life I have no idea if they were really friends. I See, isn't that so interesting, though, that maybe they never even were around each other? Yeah, I have no clue. I mean, you know, to some extent, I'm sure that they knew each other, but I have no idea to what extent their lives, like, yeah. 
connected outside of that. Yeah, I, I wish uh, I wish they had shown how because um, my I think my favorite scene of the movie was when Mary goes to the courtroom because she has to take um, some extra courses in order to become a NASA engineer and they won't let her take the courses oh, that's a good because scene. Um, they're only allowed for white people in this uh, particular high school, I think in Virginia and she yes. goes and states her case. And talks about how, you know, about being first and how everyone has to be first in one part of their life. And I thought that was so powerful. And and just the whole, I mean, she was amazing, Janelle Monae. Oh, yeah. My my girlfriend, Hannah, she loves Janelle Monae a lot. And I I don't know if I've ever seen her act in anything. I probably have. And Hannah's going to yell at me for not remembering. But this is the first time I consciously was aware that this was Janelle Monae. And she I don't was know really if I've good. Seen her in anything either. <laughs> I don't know. That must be so bad. I I don't think so. I think I've definitely seen the most of Octavia Spencer. Yeah, same. Definitely same. Um, who do you want to talk about next? Should we talk about um, Jim Parsons' character? Even though I don't really want to. What did you think of him? We'll say okay. First of all, Jim Parsons is a fantastic actor. And I think that he deserves a lot more credit because he's done a lot of really great things since the stupid Big Bang Theory. He's done so well since then, and I'm very happy for him. <laughs> um, so, you know. Yeah, he's not just Sheldon, everybody. Oh, my God. That's, uh, he, he's very good, and I like seeing him in things that aren't the Big Bang Theory because I think he's a good actor. So that was nice. Um, and... Yeah. You know, for the role that he had to play, he did a very good job of being, like, the asshole. Like, I, I thought that it was interesting to have yeah. him represent sort of the mentality of everybody there. Because I think if if we had seen, like, too much of all of the other white men, it would have just been... It would have taken away from the stories of the women who this movie is actually about. So I'm glad that the majority of the white mm. men in this movie are basically just, like, nameless mathematician clones... And Jim Parsons is like, okay, he is going to represent the prejudice of all of these white men so that we don't have to focus on too many of these white men. <laughs> so I thought that that was good. <laughs> and I'm also really glad that we didn't get some type of, like, shoehorned-in moment at the end where he apologized to Catherine because that would have been, like, really cringy and not realistic at all. It was so symbolic how at the very end, this isn't really spoilers because it is a true story, but how at the very end, you know, he just gives her a cup of coffee and it kind of just shows that they're never going to be friends, let's be clear, but he sees her as more of an equal now. Yeah, I thought that was interesting too. It was just like a really nice, subtle move. Yeah, um, not to like stray away or anything, but I have to totally agree. I've never been a big fan of the Big Bang Theory, but I've always liked Jim Parsons as well. And I remember um, going to, did we go to Florence Foster Jenkins together? I think so. Yes, we did. Okay, and the guy that was also in that movie was also in the Big Bang Theory. Um, I think, he, I just looked it up, his name is Simon Halberg. And he, I oh, always yeah. was hoping that he would do more movies as well and like branch out of the Big Bang Theory. Because Jim Parsons like done, um, um, Hollywood done and like all these other Ryan Murphy's Hollywood all these other things and I feel really bad that this guy didn't like kind of get out of that stereotype of 
you know, because those characters on Big Bang Theory are so full of cliches and stereotypes, and it just makes me sad because everyone always considers Jim Parsons to be a Sheldon, and, you know, here he's all so smart, um, but he's not like a mm. computer nerd, I guess. Well, he's not a, you know, really awful yeah. stereotypical depiction of an autistic person. He's a real guy yeah. who exists. Exactly. <laughs> it's pretty nice to see. I also think, and this is like a side tangent, but I also think it's interesting that like Jim Parsons is a gay man who's played a lot of straight roles in his life. Because mm-hmm. I find that there aren't like, I find that there are a lot of gay men who pretty primarily play gay men these days. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just think it's nice that Jim Parsons gets to branch out a lot. I like that. Um, you know, in Hollywood, he is gay in that, but, you know, it, he's in the closet for most of that show. And I like that he isn't stereotyped to always be that character. And I know, and I'm, I'm actually going to plan on watching that, hopefully before the end of the month. I really want to see The Prom. And I know people are, like, had <gasps> yes. a big problem with James Corden um, I won't go into it too much, but I think he played a gay character, if I'm correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, James Corden played a gay character, and everybody was mad about it, which I, I like, I understand people who are mad about it, and I think that, you know, that's valid, like, I get it, but at the same time, I don't really have an issue with people not playing the sexuality that they are in real life, and also, I think that, like, the, the role is already so, like, just stereotypical and campy that it's not James Corden's fault that, you know, I think a lot of people had issue with the fact that he played, like, a really, like, stereotypical, like, campy role, and it's, like, that's that's not James Corden's fault. That's, like, just what this role was like. Mm-hmm. Anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a more complex... Maybe when if we do the prom together, if you want to do that, we can, like, delve into it more. Um, yes. <laughs> But it does, I honestly, I think it ties into this movie a lot where, like, I thought that Hidden Figures did a really good job of showcasing things that were real to the time period and realistic to the time period without making every character just, like, a walking, talking stereotype. Exactly. I, I totally, totally agree. And I also like that they weren't putting, you know, 21st century sayings and ideas into this movie because that really bugs me um I like when movies that are set in the period you know are still like modern in some way but they're not like you know how you can just tell it's like a modern person preaching and it's like that nobody Mm -hmm. would have said that back in you know 1961 and I'm really glad that there was none of that because I watched this movie um a couple years ago with uh Keira Knightley called Colette I think um yes yeah oh my god I watched Colette for my one of my English classes last year and I really enjoyed it but at times I was like there are so many like 21st century mentalities in this movie and some of the characters that spoke I was like is that something they really would have said in 1910 you know how am I to know I wasn't around in 1910 but I really like that this one I felt was more accurate that's all I'm trying to yeah definitely because then I really believe in the characters as well um, I did find it interesting, though, that there were no black men NASA workers. Yeah, I, I'm interested to, like, dive more into the history of that because, you know, clear, like, obviously the unit of, like, women who were the quote-unquote computers 
over on the the campus for on the on the black person's campus um were you yeah. know that was based on reality and that was a real group of women who would really do that um and I don't know if it was just that the black women never would have intersected with the black men if they were on their own campus or what the exact history of that was like. But yeah, no, I thought that that was interesting that either there were no black men, that they only hired these black women to be almost like mathematician secretaries. Oh, sorry, I just dropped my phone. Um, either they, <laughs> Either they like hired these people to be you know, mathematician secretaries, and that was why there were no men in the same positions, or if the men were just, like, so completely removed from the women that we never got to see them. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I, you're probably right. Um, there's probably been a lot of great black men that have done a lot of stuff in science for NASA, but I would like to hear their stories as well, because the, the men that we do see that are, that are, people of color they don't have that much of a role and they're just the husbands of these strong powerful women and you know I'm really glad that it's all centered around the women don't get me wrong but it would like be nice to see a bit of that other side as well yeah it was definitely like a an interesting subversion on you know normally it's like the women are just the wives and they take a back seat I mean even in um Hannah's dad, when I was with her family for Christmas, Hannah's dad was watching the Neil Armstrong movie that I forgot existed that came out not that long ago that stars uh -huh. like Ryan, Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Yeah, it's Neil Armstrong. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know that existed until he was watching it. Um, but <laughs> he was watching it. I watched it in the theater, yeah. Oh, cool. Okay, well, so you know like how in that movie, like the wife is just the wife and she doesn't really do uh -huh. much and you know, his kids are just the kids and they don't really do much. And so it was interesting to have it be reversed and have, you know, the men just be the husbands and have them not really do much. Yes. But Oh yeah. I would have liked to see like a little bit more character development from from like uh oh, I don't remember his first name. I'm just gonna call him Mr. Johnson. He proposes to Catherine and I'm like, he seems great, but I feel like I don't know him at all. <laughs> right? That came out of nowhere. And the kids were so adult-like um, to Mahershala Ali. And they were like, oh, yeah, he's a great man. He'll be our daddy. I'm like, what about your father? Like, your dead father. I mean, not to say that you have to live in the past or anything, but that was pretty quick. Oh, yeah. No, those kids just, like, <laughs> healed easily. No childhood trauma. <laughs> Yeah, exactly right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't mind talking about First Man for Zen because I did see it. I've only seen it, I think, once. And I saw it in the movie theater. And um, I, yeah, Claire Foy, I think, is Neil Armstrong's wife in it. Um, I, I couldn't warm up to her. I had a really hard time warming up to him. I felt he was a very cool and cold character. Um, yeah. There were times that I really enjoyed the movie. Like, of course, when the landing occurred, but I, I, and it was also directed by Damien Chazelle, who directed La La Land. So oh, I noticed yeah. some parallels with similar music. And I, I, I remember thinking at the time, cause I was, it must've been around the time of La La Land. So I was still pretty into that movie and thinking of like how you can just go from a musical like that to this, you know, you have to be pretty successful. But 
I actually forgot it existed until you mentioned it just now. So it shows that like La La Land has always stayed with me and and this one I I didn't remember I even existed. So I but I, I can promise you that I'm gonna remember about hidden figures. If we do like a top ten of twenty twenty one, I I might have this one on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, what, is there a character you want to talk about next or delve into something else? Um, I don't want to like derail too much from if you had things planned. I feel bad if I like take you off course. No, no, <laughs> not at all. Um, what did I want to talk about? Uh, oh, I mean, this is like, this is more just, you know, movie talk, TM. Um, but I thought the music yeah. was really good. The use of music was really good. And, like, the cinematography and the colors and the costumes, like, all of the, the little details in that I thought were really, mm -hmm. really well done. I loved, uh, first of all, I loved the song every time that was playing when Catherine had to go to the bathroom of, like, oh, I'm tired yes. of running. I <laughs> thought that was so perfect. And then at the end when the white dude is running together to f solve this, like, uh, the calculations for the... Um, coordinates for glenn or what's his name <laughs> john glenn um, the, the, the astronaut the, the astronaut um yeah i thought that was so cool how like the tables turned and you know when the white man was running they played the same song and i was like oh now you know what it's like to run like a whole mm -hmm. mile just to go pee <laughs> um yeah that that music there was also um some really good music when they were showing actual footage of JFK speaking and, you know, the real launches that occurred. And then they, like, yeah. added some CGI. There was some really good music in there as well. It, was, to think really, of, it was really cool yeah. watching how they intercut the real footage with, like, what they filmed for the movie. I really, yeah. I really liked watching that. I find that sometimes in movies they can overdo that. And, you know, it's just like, okay, enough of, like, old footage. And I, and I was trying to think of another movie that did that pretty well and I thought Mr. Holland's opus did that really well but also like I liked how in this one it like was interwoven into her experience they're all three of their experiences at NASA and I thought it was really powerful when they were watching on their 60s TV yeah <laughs> um also yeah the costumes I'm surprised that this did not get a nomination for um like costume designer because it got a domination for octavia spencer for best supporting actress um it got nominated for best picture and it got nominated for best screenplay but i was very shocked that the designer didn't get nominated because i loved Catherine's dresses and the little oh, hats yeah. and her wedding dress that was really really cute actually okay sorry this is like a bit of a tangent but i found she didn't get much to do but there was the woman who i think was like a secretary for the boss um mm. she was the one who gave Catherine the like uh engagement gift that the office had yes. chipped in on the pearls yeah, yeah the string of pearls I thought her character was really interesting because she got basically nothing to do and <laughs> she wasn't yeah. around a whole lot but when she was it was like there was this it was every time she interact interacted with Catherine. It was like there was this sort of unspoken camaraderie of like we are the two women in this room. You're yes. cool. 
Yeah, because they would always say, like, after Kevin Costner's big speech of the day, he'd always be like, tell your wives you're going to be going home late. And it's like, there are two women working there as well. Yeah. I always noticed that he was like, tell your wives you're not coming home. I'm like, oh, well, what about them? Yeah, it was really interesting how, especially since, okay, this is like sort of circling back to what you were saying about the costumes. One of the coolest parts about the costume costumes I found was how all of the men would always be wearing the same, like, black pants, white shirt, black tie, and Catherine was always in these different, like, very vibrant dresses, and there's mm-hmm. the, and, like, one of the scenes is when the the boss says, like, good job, gentlemen, and he's, you know, very much, like, just referring to them as gentlemen, and, you know, great job, fellas, you know, great job, gentlemen, and Catherine is like right in the front just off center in this like bright green dress and it's like yes. she literally could not be more visible right there and you are still referring to this group as gentlemen <laughs> exactly yeah I, I saw I found that too just like you know that's kind of something they always did in musicals so I thought it was interesting that they did that because even um with the astronaut um when she finally is led into that room that Jim Parsons character like refuses to let her into and you know, she says to Kevin Costner, she says, I'm taking orders from you. You're you're the boss and something like um, you should act like one. I was like, whoa, do you think she would have actually said something like that? But we can we can go back to that. That was like a powerful Hollywood movie line. But when she's in the uh, like sitting around the table with all these men and they're amazed by her, uh, John Glenn's the only one that actually, you know, thanks her for it and appreciates her work and time. And he's wearing a tuxedo. And I found that really interesting because all the other men were wearing um, just regular suit and tie. And I thought, okay, is it this because, like, he's going to go to some gala after? Or is it just so, like, we stand out with seeing him and then we see Catherine in some, like, colorful dress? And I thought maybe there's some reason here that they put him in a suit and not, um, like, with a bow tie and not just wearing a tie. Because I thought that's very interesting. You don't usually go to work, even in the 60s, with, like, a bow tie on. Yeah, no, the the costumes, I think, were all, like, very deliberate, which made it, like, extra cool. Yeah. What did you think of um, the dialogue at times? Like, I know I just mentioned that one part, which I shouldn't be picky about, because it was very powerful, but I was like, you know, when she comes in from the rain after getting soaked by going to the washroom and she has that whole monologue, which I loved, did you think that would have been, like, realistic for the times? I don't know. I... My thing is, is I I would like to think that the dialogue is something that would have been said at the time. What mm-hmm. what scares me is that I feel like if she had actually said something like that at the time, she probably just would have been fired. Exactly. I was like, oh my God, he's going to just say you're fired to her. Yeah. Um, I wish that that wasn't the case because everything she said was completely accurate and right. And mm-hmm. I loved it. I was like, yeah, you're finally saying something about the washrooms and the coffee and you know, you're standing up for yourself and you're talking about the ridiculous heels you have to wear to work and then, you know, the certain dresses you have to wear that go to your knees. I mean, it's so ridiculous, the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I'm so happy I can, like, go into the workforce and not have to wear a dress and, like, four-inch heels every day. I'm so happy about that. Oh, God, me too. (laughs) My back could not handle that. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, is there anything, I'm, I have lots of facts, um, but is there anything else you wanted, like a scene that really stood out to you? Um, well, this isn't, this isn't really a scene that stood out to me, but I guess like more generally, the main thing that stood out to me about this movie, which I loved, 
and, you know, has been talked about a lot recently with this push for more diversity in the media is I liked that the story was, it was definitely realistic uh, for the most part in regards to, you know, the views of the time. And it did show how much these women had to fight to be taken seriously and to actually get yeah. these jobs. But at the end of the day, it wasn't another story of black suffering. Like, it was actually a story of black joy. And we actually got yeah. to see them get recognized and get to do the things they love and get to be in the room with all of these white men and actually get to have a space for themselves. And so I thought that it was just, it was nice to see a movie where things actually turned out well for the black people and it wasn't just yeah. about their pain and suffering and then it ends terribly and everything is tragic. Yeah, it, it was it was a hopeful movie, I think. I mean, there was a part of me that was all of a sudden worried that the astronaut was gonna die oh god and I was me like, too wait i should know that this like his i just still don't understand that part because he was literally on fire but we can go back to that in a second but you know i was so happy that this movie was showing these strong black women who were not like the, they were their unapologetic selves they were um so dynamic and so refreshing and it wasn't you know like something like 12 years slave which i've never actually seen um, but it was really hopeful, and it was good for adults and children. And, um, yeah, and it wasn't, like, shoved in your face either. It was really discreet and really great. Yeah, no, that was another thing I was thinking about, was, like, there's no reason why you couldn't show this movie to children. Like, kids might get bored, but there's nothing in it that's inappropriate for kids, like, which no. I think is really nice. Um, there was one scene that I was a bit confused about, um was when Octavia Spencer's character, oh, maybe we do see her family now that I'm thinking about it, goes to the library with her kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about her kids at the library. Oh, my God. She does have kids. Sorry, boys. Her two boys on the bus, and, of course, they're sitting in the section of the bus that are colored only. Um, but I didn't really get that, what the heck she was trying to do there. Or oh, what like book the, they got. At the library? Yeah. Okay, so I think I, like, literally just watched this movie, so it is, like, fresh in my brain. That being Me said, too. I did forget her kids existed, but... <laughs> I did, too, and I just watched it, like, I finished it at 1 p.m. Nice. Okay, I think I understood that scene, though. So, basically, the library is also segregated. There's, like, the section of, like, books that black people can take out, and they can only take out those books, and they can't take out any of the books in the rest of the library. So... Octavia Spencer and her, was with her kids at the library because she was trying to find like a book about like the type of um, like I guess software or like mechanics that go into making like the IBM machine oh, because she wanted to find okay. out more about it and but like they that those books aren't available to black people in the library so she was looking at the section of the library that was meant for white people. And so the white woman, who I presume was a librarian or maybe just an asshole, was like, hey, you can't be here. And Octavia Spencer was like, mm, but I want this book. And then the security guard kicked her out. And then when they're on the bus, you find out that she stole the book. And I actually thought that scene was really funny because her son is like, mom, you yeah. stole a book from the library? <laughs> and she's like, I pay taxes for the library. I can't steal what I've already paid for. <laughs> See, I would have been that kid, too. <laughs> I would have said that to my mom. 
Um, that was very powerful, and like I understood that, and I thought that was really funny. But at the same time, again, completely disgusts me. If they're gonna put those regulations in place because they're just disgusting, horrible people, they should have the same books in the, the same like, in each section. But of course, they don't because it's not equal. Yeah. And you know, I never even thought of that before, and it's just another upsetting part. But then again, you know, it's lightened up by Octavia Spencer, and and they make it kind of light for for kids and for adults. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I love that she stole the book. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, so the ending, I really liked because there was like this weird scene between uh, her, uh, Catherine, and Kevin Costner, and it seemed like um, Catherine was getting fired, but she was going back to the computer section of NASA, which all the black women work in. And I was like, well, why don't they need her anymore? And then it kind of became clear that, you know, the computer was doing a lot of the calculations. Mm -hmm. So I thought, oh, Octavia Spencer has kind of helped the computer, but, like, is, like, not helping her friend have that, keep that job because she was, like, really making that computer work. And I thought, oh, is there, I thought maybe there'd be some tension between both of their characters and their friendship, but that never came about. And then she's back to working with the other women that she started working with all those years before. And, um, you know, I just love it when the astronaut, I'm not going to try to say his name. (laughs) Oh, John Glenn, John Glenn. The John Glenn. Glenn, The guy, not Glenn Powell, John Glenn. um, Start, like, you know, he says, and this apparently is true. He actually really admired Katherine Johnson and he got along with her very well. And he personally asked for her to look over everything to make sure his flight would be safe which I find so amazing that's really cool yeah um and again like I loved when that white guy's running to her and like and then you know they're running back and then she's locked out of the room of course typical oh yeah oh my god that's so heartbreaking for a minute you're like no 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 like no and then Kevin Costner gives her I don't know badge and lets her in and, you know, that whole scene was super stressful up until the end. And it was, like, about five minutes of the stress of, like, oh, my God, John Glenn's gonna die. Something's yeah. wrong. What's the point of this entire movie? I thought she was supposed to <laughs> change NASA with her mathematician computer skills. And she's just gonna, like, let the thing blow up. Again, I don't know how it could have been on fire and then not on fire. I'm not, like, I'm, I've never I'm taken no an astronomy course. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know how you can just be on fire and then be all like fine again and land in the water <laughs> again that no would be clue. so scary landing in the water what if oh, you landed yeah. like in russia <laughs> yeah well like oh man the math like how they actually got the coordinates like perfect so that he landed in the right spot i was like yeah i have no idea how any of this works but wow <laughs> mapping was never my strength in social studies i'll be honest <laughs> oh God, i could never either. read a compass either <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know where anything is ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I have some facts about the movie and some facts um, about the real people. Do you want yeah. me to... D- d- okay. Fun facts, so apparently, fun facts. Yes, so apparently um, Octavia Spencer, Taraji P. Henson, and Janelle Monet weren't actually the first actresses to have the role i think they were always kind of wanting octavia spencer but they also were wanting maybe oprah winfrey or viola davis so i'm curious yeah to who oprah winfrey would have played or who viola davis might have been Catherine. 
Interesting. Um, yeah, I found that very interesting, and why it came to that, I have no idea. But that would have been also, I, I mean, I think it would have worked as well. Oh, yeah, like, I mean, I think this cast was phenomenal, but I can see that being really, really good. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, Octavia Spencer and Kevin Costner also starred in a film together called Black and White in 2014. I'm not that familiar with Kevin Costner's films. Like, I know he was big in the 90s. Um, but also, Janelle Monet and Mahershala Ali also starred together in uh, the Best Picture movie, Moonlight. Which I have seen, but I forgot that she was in that. <laughs> oh, I did not know she was in that. I haven't seen that movie yet, but that is not because I keep missing it. It's because I'm a little baby child and it looked too sad for me. <laughs> it's pretty depressing. Which is awful because I know it's a really good and important movie. I'm just like, oh, it's going to make me so sad. It's, and it uh, looks scary. It's not a, let's say it's not a joyful film. I don't know if I've seen all of it. Um, I think we oh. watched it in my film studies class back in grade 12 and like, you know, when you watch movies on two days, which is super annoying because oh, the cool. class is only like, like 80 minutes long or something. And I think I missed one day. So I, I only saw mm -hmm. either. I think I only saw the like 50 minutes, the rest of the 50 minutes, but I should, I should watch it again. I mean, it is the best picture as well as Parasite. <laughs> yes. I'm sure I will watch it at some point. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. I just like. I, I yeah. just need to do it. I, 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 to... I have to say, though, I've been more leaning towards, at least this year, some, like, happy movies, <laughs> including this one. <laughs> um, Catherine yeah. Johnson, oh, the real Catherine Johnson, apparently graduated from high school at 14. <laughs> and she completed oh, wow. eighth grade by age 10. Isn't that insane? And she earned her bachelor's degree Damn. in math and French. Um at 18, which is really interesting. Oh. And Katherine Johnson actually, and I do remember this, seeing this on like Instagram stuff, she was born in 1918 and she did just die in 2020 in February. So she was the last living um, person to have seen hidden figures. The, the rest of them had all died, which is really sad. Um, Dorothy Vaughn wow. died in 2008. She was born in 1910. And uh, Mary Jackson was born in 1921 and died in 2005 so they didn't get to see um this beautiful movie based off of them again i really need to see if they were friends in real life because it would have been really interesting i literally yes. i like could not find any info about it and i don't know if it's just because it doesn't exist or if i'm not it's looking so in interesting the right places, though yeah but um yeah um so so talking about Katherine Johnson, because she was still alive during this movie, um, Taraji P. Henson actually met Katherine Johnson, who was 98 at the time. And they talked about her and her oh, life wow. and the character and if she was okay with her playing her. And she learned all these interesting things about her. Um, and apparently Johnson was imp so impressed with Henson's portrayal and she actually came to the Oscars, which I don't actually remember, but apparently she came in a wheelchair to the Oscars when it was uh, nominated for three things, which is really cute and sweet. Um, I think I already That's mentioned so that nice. Paul Stafford, who was Jim Parsons' character, and Vivian Mitchell, who was Kirsten Dunst, um, were not based on real-life people, but I think they represent people that were probably 
uh, were definitely working at NASA at the time. I think they're kind of like the whole representation of white male and whole representation of white female. Uh, I'm glad they weren't real people. But yeah. Yeah. Oh, actually, okay. Do you know what one of my favorite lines in the movie was? I was like just talking about this with my roommate, which is probably why I didn't think to talk about it just now with you. Um, but one of my favorite lines in the movie is the scene from the scene where Octavia Spencer's oh, yeah. character is in the bathroom with Mitch, Miss Mitchell, and Miss Mitchell says something. Miss Mitchell says, "You know, I don't have anything yeah. against you and your girls, right?" And Octavia Spencer says something along the lines oh. of, I'm sure you believe that, and then walks out, and I was like, God damn! It's perfect, because what do you say to somebody like that? You know, she's not going to respect anything you say. She does have something against you as a person because of the color of your skin, which is disgusting. And I thought she, instead of, like, fighting back, or, you know, just being mousy and being like, yes, of course, you know, I'm so thankful for working here, because she always says to Octavia Spencer... And the other black women, you know, you should just be thankful that you have a job. And, like, it's like, would they be able to say that to you, Kristen Stewart? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Kristen Dunst? Like, I don't think so. So um, I thought that was such a great way to end their kind of relationship. But then in the very end, we see Kristen Dunst kind of come around. um, And she lets um, Octavia Spencer's character, Dorothy, become the NASA supervisor, and she was also the first woman to be the supervisor and the first, obviously, African-American woman, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I just, oh, that scene is going to, like, stand out for a while. I'm going to be thinking about that one. Um, yeah, I know. This is going to be a movie that really, really stays with me. Yeah, me too. And I especially, I you know, I do wish we'd gotten to see a little bit more about Mary and Octavia, especially their home life, since we got that little glimpse into Catherine's. Um, but I thought it was interesting how the husband was, was so, was so much like a radical progressive, like the most like outspokenly, you know, anti everything, not that, like, any of the black characters in the movie were like, oh, segregation's fine, but he was the most, like, consistently angry about it, Mary's husband, um, and he was the one who would bring it up the most, and so I thought it was it was interesting to see him interact with Mary and encourage her to, to be an engineer, because, you know, as she sort of points out at the at the scene after church at the beginning very subtly, not directly, but she, you know, sort of hints at, you know, how can you be this, like, radical progressive and still be like, ah, women can't yeah. be engineers. He, her husband, Mary's husband, um, was he the priest or the pastor of their church? I... No. I don't okay. think so, but I... The priest didn't really get a lot to do and neither did yeah. Mary's husband, so... I didn't. <laughs> uh, the last thing I just wanted to say was that the production budget of Hidden Figures was $25 million, and worldwide it made $236 million, which is pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really great. Yeah. Um, and now, and now it's, it's on, on Disney+, Plus, Plus, which is very know, cool. Disney Plus has different movies on different countries, but uh, if you live in Canada, it's on Disney+. Plus probably on everywhere it's probably in spain hey. disney plus if that's a thing um <laughs> should we uh, move on to the last judgment 
Yeah, okay, I guess so. Did so. Hidden Figures move you or not? It did. I honestly, I never full on cried at this movie, but I definitely welled up at a few places, especially the ending. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was, it was a really nice, well done story of like black joy and black resilience. And it was made all the more special by the fact that it was based on a true story and real black women who had joy and resilience in their lives. That was pretty cool. Um, and it was just like, it was just really engaging to watch. Like every, I, it was nice because even though the, the, you know, the stakes were really high and so it had a lot of good tension in it, but at the same time, because it was based on a true story, you knew that nothing too terrible and awful was going to happen, which I think made it like easier to watch. Like if I went into this knowing absolutely nothing, or if it was fictional and it wasn't based on a true story, I would have been so anxious the whole time. I would have been like, oh my God, everybody's going to get fired and it's going to be really bad and the astronaut's going to die and everything's going to go wrong. See, I'm so bad. I actually thought the astronaut might die because like I did not learn history in school. So... <laughs> I was honestly I was the only thing that I was unsure of is I was like oh my god they might kill this guy <laughs> I felt really sad because I was like he's the only nice guy to them and I also <laughs> the only good white man <laughs> the only good white man I also want to just talk about the scene that I thought of right now when he's coming and they first meet him and you know of course the white people are standing in front and in a different part than where the black workers are allowed to stand and he personally comes over to where the black women are standing again I did not see any black men there but anyway he goes over to them and, you know, he personally says, like, thank you, I'm really excited to work with you. And none of the other, like, astronauts or astronauts that want to be astronauts or any of the other NASA workers go over to them. He's the only one. And at that time, I was like, okay, you're going to be a good white boy. <laughs> you're going to be the good one. <laughs> Actually, I will like, say, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, you sorry. finish. <laughs> I just hated how those, like, Kristen Dunst looked at him and, and when he's talking to the black women, I was like, you do not give him that stare, lady. <laughs> Stop your glaring, ma'am. <laughs> no, I was just going to say the, the final thing uh, that I wanted to mention was I, I hate the trope in, like, literally every single movie nowadays, especially movies for, like, families or kids where the, like, friends get into a big argument, like, before the third <laughs> act. And I was so glad that the women, they never got into a really big argument. There was never tension that they, like, hated each other. And you were like, oh, are they going to yeah. be friends before the end of it? Like, I was like, oh, thank God they just stayed friends the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was worried at that scene when um, she goes back to working in computers again. And if she'd feel, like, a bit of resentment to having to do, you know, a similar work to what she was doing before. And I thought there was going to be some problem between her and Octavia Spencer because she helped the computer get working um but I'm really glad they didn't do that they were never jealous of Catherine which I also really like they were never jealous of one another um they were just so they were supportive. just supportive friends they were just good people <laughs> yeah so I agree with you this movie totally moved me I did not cry at times or you know I, I wasn't like you know jumping for joy but I loved it. I loved how it was set. I loved the acting. It was so good. I love that this is based off true female African-American women who actually work for NASA. I'm disappointed that I never learned about them, that I never learned about the astronaut who was like the first guy to go up into space, first American man. Um, that just makes me really sad. But I'm glad that it's on Disney Plus so kids can actually learn about this because public schools aren't teaching that. 
I don't know about in America, but I doubt it. Um, but I, I loved Katherine Johnson's and um, how um, she was portrayed. And it just shows black joy, like you said. And it just makes me so happy that something like this was made. Yes, me too. Um, and I, I just want to quickly say that I'm not a big watcher of biopic films. I have seen, you know, the main few, but I'm usually kind of disappointed if it is something that, like, a person that I really like, and I don't really like how they're portrayed. In this case, I didn't know a lot or anything about these women, um, but I thought it was a really well done biopic as well, because, again, not a huge fan of the whole biopic. I don't know about you. Yeah, I like, I honestly... When I think of, and it's definitely just because you just mentioned Colette, but, like, I think the most recent biopics probably that I've seen before this Mm -hmm. one would have been, like, Colette, and I rewatched The Imitation Game last year, also for my English class. Um, Oh, Keira Knightley, like, is she in that, too? She is in that, too. Yeah. And, like... (laughs) Yeah, and, like, I I thought both of those movies were really good, but those were also movies about historical figures that I knew literally nothing about. And so <laughs> I was just like, yeah, cool movie. And I, like, and even Colette has its issues, but, like, I remember really liking The Imitation Game um, and thinking that was a good movie. But, yeah, I usually, yeah. I'm not a big uh, biopic fan, but I really liked this one. Yeah, like I said, you know, I liked First Man while I was watching it, but it it totally did not stay with me. Um, I was I didn't really even finish it. <laughs> I was really disappointed with Beautiful Boy, uh, which I think I've talked about before. Um, yeah, I just I watched one on um, Amelia Earhart from like fifteen years ago recently, and it was Hilary Swank. I think playing, oh. um, I mean, I heard it just, it just really didn't work for me. I, I, I couldn't get into it. I find biopics can be very choppy at times, especially when they're trying to go through the life of a certain person, like from when they're a child to, to, you know, adulthood or whatever they did their big, you know, um, their big discovery or their, their big achievement. And I find it like very choppy, um, but uh, this I did not find choppy at all. I guess the other biopic that I've always really loved, um, even though I haven't seen that for a while, um, is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I like it because <gasps> it's oh not God, just about Mr. Rogers. And I think that that's why it worked. I don't know if it would have worked as well if they actually just focused on Mr. Rogers from, you know, child him to, you know, older man. I think it worked better because they were focusing on a person that he helped. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about that movie. I loved that movie. Yeah, no, that's, like, definitely pretty high up there in terms of, like, the few biopics I've seen. That was a yeah. good one. Um, I also really loved Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't know if you saw that, but that's one of the few biopics oh, that yeah. I love. I really liked that, too. I watched it on a plane, though, so I need to rewatch it not on an airplane. <laughs> and I, I didn't I, like I, it. When, I only saw it in the movie theater when it came out, and I was really happy when... Uh, Rami Malek won the Oscar um, but I haven't yes. seen it since like 2018 so around like I guess it was that I went to see and then I saw Mr. Rogers and I saw oh no Mr. Rogers would have been the year later it was like this week when I saw Bohemian I went to see Bohemian Rhapsody and then I was gonna see A Star is Born um, but the the tickets for it like we got tickets and I went to it 
and the TV didn't, like, the screen. I think it was actually at Esplanade Theater on uh, Park, uh, not Park and Tilford, in um, Lonsdale Key. Oh, um, R.I.P. I went with one of my friends. Yeah, that's gone now. That, so then it was really old. No one's going to know what I'm talking about. Right now. <laughs> I know so what you're talking Let about. Let me, like, and start over theater. again. <laughs> I, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, like, two days before. And then I was going to Lonsdale because it was the only place where you could see a star is born. And I've never been a big Lady Gaga or Bradley Cooper fan, but my friend wanted to go see it. So I was like, okay, I'll go see it. I was not wanting to see this movie. And... I guess the gods listened because <laughs> it didn't work. The screen wouldn't turn on. There was a problem. And That's we happened to me at Esplanade before, too. I'm like, not. Oh, really? I'm like, I'm sad that that theater closed, but I'm like, not that surprised. <laughs> That's so happened it, so to me it before. It, it was just at like such a good place, right? Because you could just walk off the sea bus and go there. So it was it like, was so close was to my handy. house. Because Park and Tilford's gone now, too, right? Oh my God, is it? I think I you're think right. So. Damn. So there's only Park Royal. But anyway, so I was very happy that I didn't have to see A Star is Born. And they were like, okay, we can either, like, give you your money back or we'll just get you a ticket to see another movie. And at the same time, A Star is Born was playing, Bohemian Rhapsody was playing. So I was like, I'll go see Bohemian Rhapsody again. Nice. Two days later. Loved it. Love that movie. Would love to do it on this podcast. Um, anyway, <laughs> after that long rant... I thought Hidden Figures was an excellent biopic. If you are like me and you're not a big fan of biopics, please give this one a try because it's really, really good. It's amazing. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, I guess that's it for today. I, I don't have anything left to say to you. No, it was a really good movie. I really liked it. Yeah, and if you live in Canada or North America, you can watch it on Disney+. Plus. Um I want to thank you, Christina, for coming back on the show for Black History Month. Oh, yeah, of course. I'm really glad I could watch it. I really, really liked it. And I want to thank you all for listening. And don't forget to click the subscribe button.